What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Cut. Sean, Randy, and Christian are finally back. I mean, it feels like it's been forever tonight, but bringing to you another episode. Um, I don't really know what else to say because we basically sat on this call for an hour before we started recording. Well, two different calls, but yeah. <laughs> we There's got no basically about it. Yeah, we've yeah, been on for over an hour. I don't so. know what you want from me. I was... <laughs> We are just talking. I don't know what you want. No one blamed you. I don't know where you get that from. I don't know what you're talking about, dude. Can you just not blame me? Like, come on. I blame right. Fucking Christian. <laughs> no. Is that better? No. Honestly, I liked it. <laughs> All <Yeah>. right. <laughs> well. <laughs> All right. I don't, I don't, I don't know anymore. So let's just go right into it. Jesus. Um, so what we're going to do today is we're going to give you guys our, uh, we have a couple guy, one guy at each, each position that we're targeting basically at the end of our redraft leagues. Um, the guys that we think can definitely pay off in a big way. Uh, but before we do that, I came across something on Twitter yesterday that I thought was very interesting. I don't remember who tweeted it, so I apologize for not giving credit where credit is due, but I'm going to use it anyway, because why the hell not? So. You have $1,000 to bet one of four players is going to finish top five at their position in the 2020 season. Who are you throwing your money down on? Aaron Rodgers, Le'Veon Bell, Keenan Allen, or Jared Cook? All right. <clears throat> I guess I'll start. Um, obviously not Aaron Rodgers. He was just my pick on the last episode to suck dick uh not really but he's i'm out on him for this year so there's no reason i would pick him here um keenan allen randy and i have had discussions i think we talked about it on the mock episode about mike williams's involvement and i don't think yeah it's a low volume passing offense so then it's down to lev and cook for me and ultimately, Cook is not going to be as efficient. And may- maybe I'm wrong because he will have Drew Brees for an entire year. Uh, I just can't see him being that efficient with his touchdown production. So I'm going to go with the guy who I know is going to get the work, and I'm going to pick Lev Bell. And I'm I'm not I'm not thrilled about any of these guys. So. That's the point of the question, jackass. Well, <laughs> well I didn't know. Randy, I want some What about you? Okay. Um, so I kind of uh, talked Christian into doing Aaron Rodgers last episode, so I'm not going to pick that either. Jared Cook, while the tight end position is probably the most volatile, I don't believe in him at all, especially with the addition of Emmanuel Sanders in the offense. <clears throat> um. Le'Veon Bell, I think, might, like, touch-wise have the best chance to be the RB1 compared to Allen being wide receiver one, but because there's no chance that he's going to beat out Saquon or McCaffrey in any world, I'm going to pick Keenan out. Hey, dummy, did you forget to read the question? Yeah. It's still tough. I don't really care. I'm more saying I think Keenan Allen, because wide receivers – Pretty much one touchdown could be the difference between eight and five. Or running backs, even though he's getting in a lot, there's two other backs now in the system. 
That's fine. I'm just saying that you your your argument was that he's not going to beat McCaffrey or Barkley where he doesn't have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. and it, it could have extended to Zeke and Kamara. And yeah, so, it, it went yeah. to everyone. It was more, I 100% didn't listen to you, first off. Second off, <laughs> I didn't read it. <laughs> Third off, it didn't change my answer any, so it's okay. Well, I talked about Bell already on the um, A1 running backs episode, so I got to stay true to form here. I do think it's going to be Bell. Um, Adam Gase has already come out and said that he wants to use him in better in more ways this year. He wants to get him out in space more. Granted, I don't take anything Adam Gase says to heart because fuck Adam Gase as a person. But um, <laughs> I of these four, I would probably see a Bell followed closely by Aaron Rodgers. Stop. Also. Did you guys see the Greg Williams comment about Jamal Adams and then what Pete Carroll said after that? No. So Jamal Williams basically said that, uh, or Jamal Williams, um, Greg Williams basically said that Jamal Adams is going to be bored in the Seattle offense. And Pete Carroll's rebuttal to that when he was asked today was, we don't make as many mistakes as they do. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think there's a way that, the Seahawks don't use uh, Jamal Adams on defense the right way. Yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, Jim, uh, Greg Williams is the same guy that put Jabril Peppers 40 yards behind the line of scrimmage and expected him to make plays. He put him in Lake Erie, dude. But, well, whatever. that was <laughs> <a> nice. <laughs> Shouldn't have done that. <laughs> All, All right. right. Um, Website update. Yes. Let's talk about that. Um, so we just actually got off a meeting with our website designer, Nick Burkhammer. Website looks pretty okay. awesome. We're going to have our consensus rankings on there. We're going to have all of our articles imported. Um, it's it's going to look really awesome. And we don't know when it's going live still. So not much of an update. There's an update. This episode goes out on Monday. So we assume it's this week. That it yeah. comes out, but, but we have, I, I do agree that that wasn't much of an update. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> but we did, I mean, we did just have a meeting on it, so uh, we we made a couple plans in that meeting. So hopefully, we can get everything done in a week. <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's go with that. All right. So that was it for the first part. I was kind of expecting that first question to take longer, but um, so me and Christian said Bell. Randy said Alan. Um, you said Rogers, but I said Bell followed. Oh, close okay. to gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. You really don't listen to a word <laughs> I say to you. Well, you don't listen to me, so it's okay. <laughs> it's, it's a half and half thing. I love it. <laughs> All right, so let's get into let's let's play some dartball here. Um, no, these guys. Not what it's called. That's All right, not, what's it called, Randy? I, I want you to read that. All right, it's called late round dart throws. There you go. It's better than dartball. It's not what I wanted it to be called, but yeah. And what was that? Not better than back shots. Yeah, I wanted it to be back shots. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I can cut it. I'm not gonna, but I can. Yeah. We we went through like twelve <laughs> names. You didn't like any of the ones I came up with, so I came up with a funny one, and you didn't like that either. I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> oh God! All right, late round dart throws though. That's what it's called. Randy, you go first. No, 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 no. Yes, you're going first. No. 
All right, but, uh, no, I'll go first only because I don't have to talk as much about mine because I have in past episodes. My QB late round dart throw is going to be Drew Locke, who's currently going in the, I think it was like the back end of the, the 13th and the back end of the 13th, something like that. I don't remember. I didn't write it on here. <laughs> uh, but he's going really late. Um, and it's really kind of like a punt at the QB position. It's a guy that I think. He, like he didn't have a lot of work last year. He did show out in my opinion in his little bit of work last year. I don't think he's going to be a QB one this year by any means, but he could be top 15 worst case. I think he could start out strong and be a good streaming option that you play in between. Um, his situation obviously improved a lot with O-line getting better weapons, getting better, bringing in Melvin Gordon to get an actual running back to catch the ball. <laughs> Jerry Judy coming in, the best wide receiver in the class, coming in to be a wide receiver too on the team. No fit, no fit, getting better. Cortland Sutton, hopefully getting better too. This whole offense should be geared around Drew Locke. He should be killing it this year. He uh, he probably will throw a good amount of picks, but not more than Philip Rivers. <laughs> I think he's going to get over. I think he's going to get at least right on the line of four thousand yards, probably twenty four plus touchdowns. I see big things for him. I think he's going to be in conversation to be a, a starting quarterback for everyone's team next year. So if you get him the year early, and worst case, you get him this late, you could pick up someone else. But I think he's the best person out of anyone at this level. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't disagree. Um, I personally would wait a couple more rounds and just take the guy that I'm about to talk about. Because well, I think... I, I wonder I, why you would say that. Well, I think they have similar upsides. and so, eh, But one team's going to the playoffs and one's not. Right, but that might work. That's not. In my guy's favor. Just say who your guy is. Christian, I don't think you understand how you win games. You win games by scoring and like getting touchdowns. Um, yes, but you also get good fantasy Breaking news on the cut. You win games by scoring touchdowns. I don't know if Christian knows that because he apparently thinks that losing games means you score more points. I don't understand. (laughs) Well, you look at Jameis Winston last year. They didn't make the playoffs, and he was a top-five quarterback. He was 7-9. Yeah. That's where the Jaguars will be, and my guy is Gardner Minshew. They won't be, but, you know, good for you. Seven and nine, I think it's possible. They won five games last year. Make the bet, Christian. Make the bet. (laughs) I'm not making the bet. Exactly. You know I don't. You know I don't bet like that. I throw all I'm, my money at DraftKings and now Thrive Fantasy. Shout out Thrive. Um, anyway, true. let me talk about Gardner Minshew. A lot of funds already. Yep. <laughs> right. Exactly. I don't have the money to bet on actual lines and win totals. Come on. Um, all right. So my guy's Gardner Minshew. Last year he had a 21 to six touchdown to interception ratio, 3,200 yards, almost 3,300. Completed 60% of his passes, which isn't great. He played in 14 games, but he also rushed for 344 yards. He was the quarterback 20 last year with just 14 games and a shitty situation. The Jags did not have uh, a lot of continuity or consistency. Uh, Doug Marone's a fucking dipshit. I can't believe he's still the coach there. Um, So... But the thing is, the, the continuity is coming. So Gardner Minshew is locked in as the quarterback for 
the Jacksonville Jaguars this year. Go back to his stats, and you look at what Rookie of the Year Kyler Murray did in 16 games, and you realize that Gardner was actually on pace to beat him in yardage. Uh, He did beat him in touchdowns. He had half of his interceptions. He rushed for 200 less yards, but Gardner would have come close to that if he played those two games. So basically, Gardner had the production. Uh, Don't shake your head at me, Randy. It it would have been close. Christian, he had 344 in 14 games. Yeah. 200 less. What is the average of 344 divided by 14? It's like 20 yards a game. So so 40 yards makes it close. A little more than 20. <laughs> yes, it, it would have made it closer. Well, <laughs> I don't disagree with that. <laughs> um, but so the, the point is that Gardner Minshew paced the rookie of the year production. And so I don't know why people are kind of just throwing him to the side, especially when he was already a QB2 in his rookie year. They added weapons. He was actually ranked third among all NFL starters, according to Pro Football Focus, in 20-plus yard throws. And so you add a guy like LaVisca Chenault. Um, you still have DJ Chark. You still have D.D. Westbrook. You still have Chris Conley. Um, it, you assume that Garner's still going to have that deep accuracy. He led all rookies in yards per attempt. He led all rookies in passer rating. And... Obviously, most of my arguments are statistically driven, but Garner has an it factor, and it's the same it factor that we thought Johnny Manziel had. It's the same it factor that Baker Mayfield does have. And so, shut your little smirk two, up. Two first-round picks versus a six-round pick it factor. Right. Well, Tom Brady has it. He was a Yeah, yeah. Pick. Okay. Randy, just take notes right now that – Christian Williams just compared Gardner Minshew to Tom Brady. I, I want you to mark that down. Tom Brady's will. five Super Bowls. I I have like twenty. How many MVP Christian already? It's so we got him. We got him. Add another notch that Christian Williams just compared Gardner Minshew to Tom Brady. The best Please part is him. the best part is the it factor he's talking about has nothing to do with Tom Brady at all. <laughs> that's true like it his, his it factor is he's great on tv he's great in interviews no. tom brady's neither of those he's a dog tom on brady the kisses his own son on the mouth just to, to six titles <laughs> <laughs> all right i hate both of you gardner has a rushing floor that, that was your <laughs> own comment <laughs> yeah but you hijacked it and interrupted me but um Garner has a rushing floor that most of these guys at the back end don't, even guys like Drew Locke. Um, and so I'd rather take a guy that has a pretty high rushing floor. He doesn't have designed runs. I get that. And you can make that argument that most quarterbacks don't. Yeah. Right. You've got a select few quarterbacks in the NFL that do. Like we talk about Daniel Jones quite a bit on here, unfortunately. And his rushing floor comes off of trails too. Gardner's really good out of the pocket. I think he's going to improve on that 344 rushing yards. And I think he's probably going to improve on that touchdown number because he does have better weapons. Um, So, yeah, I would take Gardner Minshew. You can get him basically with your last pick. He's being drafted as, like, quarterback 29 now. I think COVID scared everyone. But, yeah. Yeah, he should should be getting back up. Um, I, I think he's going, like, one spot behind lock or something like that. Two, so it should be three. two. 
they? Three. Uh, yeah. But so it should be I think those two should be together, honestly. Because I, sure. I do think well, I don't think the Jaguars are gonna score a lot of touchdowns compared to the Broncos. Obviously the Leonard Fournette has clearly shown that he can't run the ball into the end zone, whereas Melvin Gordon can. So <laughs> that should take away the touchdowns that <laughs> Menchu needs. Philip Lindsay can too. Ah, uh, but can he? Uh, you know. No, no, he can't. You guys are wild. You know he can. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going. You guys well, are wild. <laughs> last point: Gardner Minshew didn't have any rushing touchdowns, and so that yeah. was the difference. That was the real difference between him and Kyler last year. But I think that comes up. I mean, I I think he does get a couple. Uh, so you think he's in the same breath as Kyler Murray this season? No. Absolutely not. But I think out of the guys at the back end, Gardner has the best shot to be a quarterback one. It'll be back so, end. My biggest thing with, like, for, because I'm going to fight for my guy, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Drew Locke's going to score, throw more touchdowns. I think he will throw more picks. I think that's almost a guarantee. Uh, but I don't think he's going to be that much lower in the rushing department. So I think that's kind of like where uh, a lot of people would assume there's a big gap. I believe in the very limited work from Locke, I think he was about seven yards less per game than uh, Gardner. So, I mean, it's not like like Gardner's obviously going to run for probably at least 100 more yards, but it's not like Locke doesn't give you that as well. And obviously, if you rush a bit, you have the touchdown upside, so it's good there. I'm just saying, I think both are great picks at this point. I think Sean's is too. I think these are probably the best if you're just punting the position kind of thing. Cause I think all three of these guys have top 15 upside. Yes. My guy is a guy who's consistently been a top 15 quarterback the last five seasons. And I, I like to talk about him all the time. It's Kirk C. And I get it that a lot of people's argument against Kirk cousins in the Minnesota offense is the fact that they're going to be running the ball. I get that. Kirk Cousins threw the ball 444 times last year, still finished as QB 15. His passer rating was fifth best in 2019 uh, when he's under pressure. His completion percentage under pressure was fourth best, and his completion percentage above expectation was in the top five. So, and a lot of people say, well, oh yeah, well, he lost digs. Like, I don't know if enough people realize that Diggs wasn't his number one. And I think it showed when the whole situation came up, when with the arguments and the, the frustration within the Vikings offense, Adam Thielen basically missed the entire back half of the 2019 season. And Kirk Cousins was still able to find a way to finish in the top 15. And since 2015, he's never been lower. Last season was his lowest finish. And that's still... Are, it's still back-end QB1, high, high-end QB2. And then another situation is, obviously, they lose Kevin Stefanski to Cleveland. But Gary Kubiak, I think, had more hands in that offense than people think. I think they were kind of working together between him and Stefanski. But Gary Kubiak is going to help this offense. He knows everybody. Gary Kubiak's been a coach for 25-plus years in the NFL. He knows how to get the most out of his target, out of his pieces. And... I don't, again, I don't have a ton of statistical basis on this other than the fact that Kirk Cousins, since he was in Washington and played a full season, he has never not finished either a QB1 or a high, high end QB2. 
And even though their Vikings are by far going to be a one run first team with Mike Zimmer, Kirk Cousins can still be that guy. And you, I mean, you're talking like right now. Who would you guys rather have, Kirk Cousins or Teddy Bridgewater? Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Kirk Cousins or Derek Carr. Derek Carr. That's. I would say Kirk Cousins, but I think that's closer to me. Kirk Cousins or Sam Darnold. Cousins. cousins. I love Kirk Cousins or Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod. That's Cousins because Cousins is going to play the whole time. Kirk Cousins or Dwayne Haskins. Cousins. Kirk Cousins are one of the Bears quarterbacks. Like, these are all the guys that are going right around Cousins right now. And, like, Minshew is going at QB 26 per fantasy data. Cousins is going 24. Lock's going 23. Like, that's the, that's the whole, like, that's just the grouping of guys that I'm, I would be 100% fine if I got Kirk Cousins in the back end of the 13th round which is about where he's going right now. I have a question for both of you. Do you think you'd be comfortable with these guys as your quarterback one? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's, I think for sure. Because that just means that I loaded up on other positions in the first 12 rounds of the draft. Yeah. That's the biggest part. And it also means that you're comfortable with, if he's hitting, that's great. If he's not, you're comfortable picking up someone else as a streaming option. And again, of the three, Kirk Cousins has continuously done it already. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, you've got two guys that were rookies last year. So, right. But that's the thing, too. That, like, that's why I kind of lean Cousins just because he's got the experience. He's done it already. And he's already shown that he can do it in the offense of the guy who's going to be running his offense. Although I, I still think Stefanski had more of a hand than Kubiak last year. So I that's the one thing I did. I forgot about saying it. But so I think it's Stefanski's offense completely. And I think Kubiak being a more veteran coach put the finishing touches on it for him. So I think that's mostly what we're going to be getting in Cleveland this year. I I do assume it's going to be the same type of system in Minnesota. There's no way they're going to overhaul something that's working. Uh, Plus, they lose digs, but still add Jefferson. So yeah, it's not, that's, like, it's not a one for one by any means. Sure. But I think Irv Smith comes on a little bit this year. Um, I'll yeah. talk about him later. I definitely think that he does. I mean, again, he didn't, Kirk Cousins didn't have Adam Thielen after week seven. Yeah. But it's not like he was throwing to him, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> well, until, sure. until his radio show. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Running backs, who's up? Uh, Christian. All right, I'll go first. My guy's Jarek McKinnon. Um, I did want to give a shout to Naeem Hines because I do think Naeem Hines has a really good chance to be very, very fantasy relevant this year with Philip Rivers coming in as their starting quarterback in Indy. But I did choose Jarek McKinnon. The last time Jarek was healthy, he finished as the RB17 in PPR leagues, and he got a pretty fat contract from Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan planned to use him. He planned to have him in that Tevin Coleman role, that Matt Breida role, Um, except he would have been with Matt Breida at the time. The buzz is that he looks good and he is healthy. I can acknowledge that I have my reservations about that. He hasn't played in two years. I I guess I'll go back. The last time Jarek was healthy was 2017. He hasn't played. He didn't play a snap in 2018 or 19. but. Like I said, the buzz out of camp is that he looks good. It looks like he's on track to to start the season. And so 
the thing that Jarek has going for him is he's the only proven pass catcher in that backfield. Tevin Coleman had 21 receptions last year. Raheem Mostert had 14. Matt Breida only had 19. But what happens when you put a proven pass catching running back in an innovative innovative offense Jesus Christ um, you, you, Jarek's going to get on the field because he can make things happen in space and they obviously felt that way enough to keep him on the roster for the two years that he was out you can get him for free I mean I would take him in with my last round pick I would probably take him over a defense at this point um I just think that the upside is there for him to be a really good PPR option. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd be drafting McKinnon. Basically if, if I didn't pick the wide receiver that I picked, I'd be drafting McKinnon everywhere. So. Well, one thing I would say is I think, uh, well, San Fran obviously doesn't throw the running backs a lot. I'll say that. And then, with obviously the spread of touches, it seems like they were fine with everyone in their pass catching ability. I will say McKinnon's probably better than all three, or the other two, I should say, because uh, the other two have never been a pass catching running back, really. But I, I don't think they're going to be putting him necessarily on the field just because he can catch a ball, kind of thing. Like they're more apt to throw to Kittle, anyways. So, but it's it's San Francisco, so like. Last year, Mostert was the third one picked, and now yeah. he's the first. I mean, he, I, he could break out this year. He could be the hot hand. So I, I can't argue against the pick. That's why I have Coleman on my bench, and I have Mostert. Like, I just – you never know. Yep. I didn't know, if you had, I didn't know if you had something else to say, but I guess not. Nope. So I will go into my guy here. Um. And this one, basically, I'm following the money to an extent. And I'm rolling, just rolling with the best offensive football. My late round running back is DeAndre Washington. Now, I get it. He's really not done much since he's been in the league. But when Josh Jacobs was out towards the end of last year, he had 21 fantasy points four but then 18 and 21 fantasy points like down the stretch last year deandre washington was very good for oakland and he i know i get it he comes into a relatively crowded backfield but i don't think they sign washington if they're if they feel good about daryl williams or darwin thompson darwin thompson couldn't even find the field last year daryl williams was was really the third string guy once they brought in LaShawn mccoy and a lot of the reason i'm doing this is a they had already they've already talked about how like Kansas City beat writers have already explained that they they expect at least early in the year DeAndre Washington to split carries with Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And now granted, this is a last round guy. I'm not saying that I expect DeAndre Washington to be the starter because I don't. I do think it's going to be Clyde Edwards Hilaire right out of the gate. But I do think DeAndre Washington has some value. And if Clyde Edwards Hilaire were to get hurt, which he did get hurt a little bit in college, I think while it's probably a split backfield between like Daryl Williams and DeAndre Washington, people were starting both Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy last year. Granted, who knows if it was smart or not, but we want pieces of the Kansas city offense and DeAndre Washington. That is not just not only a handcuff for Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, but 
he has maybe a little bit of his own value right now anyway. And if Edward Hilaire were to go down, then I think DeAndre Washington does jump up into the top 30 running backs. And like you look at guys that are going around him right now. Anthony McFarland, a, a arguably a third-string rookie running back. Joshua Kelly, another rookie third-string running back. Carlos Hyde, no thank you. Lamar Miller, who is, was signed with New England and got put on the PUP list to start. Bryce Love, who who knows what number he is in that backfield yeah, with everybody else that we have. 1B. <laughs> what? It, he just picked a letter and a number because they're all one technically right now because no one has any fucking clue. Sure, exactly. But that's my point. It's like, in, and again, Washington, you can grab in the 14th, 15th round. And I mean, I don't, it, the last thing I'll say about him, you guys know who Patrick Mahomes' uh, running back was when he was in college? DeAndre Washington. DeAndre Washington. So there's already the rapport with Patrick Mahomes. Now, granted, I don't know if that means a whole lot, but it means enough for me to take that shot on him with my last pick in the draft. I have a question again. How much stock do you put into the reports that Daryl Williams is the one running with the ones right now? Darwin Thompson is second string and DeAndre Washington is third. DeAndre Washington's never played in this offense before. And it's also as of this recording, it's August 13th. I expect that to change as you get closer to the season. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, one and as a Rangers fan, I had to watch Washington a good amount over the last couple of years, and I actually really like what he brought. I I picked him up in most leagues during the season, both years, just because he was fun to watch. And I was like, well, who knows? Um, I do think he's going to be the one B in this offense. Ch isn't going to be able to have every carry, every touch. Exactly. And I do think it's going to be Washington over Daryl because. Washington's a much better receiving back, in my opinion. And he can Bill get the Well, that's, I, I'm just saying, Washington yeah. can do both. But he, again, he's not elite in any category, but he can get it done as the spellback. And they don't sign this guy away from a division rival if they don't want to use him at least a little bit, I think. Yeah, 100%. The only, uh, I love the argument. The only thing I'll nitpick at is if Clyde goes down, I don't think Washington gets the lion's share. I think they bring in a guy. Well, that's why, and I think at least right away, then it is a split between him and Daryl Williams. But I still think, even if he's splitting, I think that jumps him into the top thirty. Yeah, and I and I could be wrong, and they don't pick up any. I was just like I said, if I was nitpicking, sure. that's the only thing I'd pick at Washington, just because obviously I don't think he's a workhorse back by any means necessary. But I mean, Kansas City could just go to a pass heavy offense and just use him. So it's mm-hmm. very very reasonable. All right, well, I, I will move into mine. Uh, it, someone else was written on here, but I decided to switch last second. I go with Darrington Evans. Uh, he's going right around all these guys. Uh, I believe he's later. He's later than McKinnon, later than Joshua Kelly. I'm not sure about Washington. Uh, he was given high draft capital in this year's draft with a third round pick before they did sign uh, Henry to the massive contract. But the biggest thing for him here is that if anyone here, he's the only one with a guaranteed role in this offense right away. He's already due to take up probably 90% of the running back passing work because, you know, it's Derek fucking Henry. Uh, I, I love him. I love watching him play, but he is not a receiving back by any means necessary. 
So Darrington Evans already has the quote unquote Deion Lewis role, but actually a, you know, usable back. <laughs> and he's going to get five to 10 rushes a game just to help spell Henry because the Titans want Henry to continue to dominate down the stretch. That's how they got into the playoffs. That's how they were dominating the playoffs was Henry was healthy and just running through people's throats at the end of the year. So on top of that, there's no one else in this offense that could be a running back, really. <laughs> so he's obviously the handcuff to Henry to start off with. He has his own role, standalone value right away. And he would be at least the week winner anytime Henry went down. If he went down for a couple weeks for some reason, like an ankle injury or something, I think Darrington Evans is going to be on everyone's teams. <laughs> He's going to be in every DraftKings FanDuel lineup. Hopefully there's a Thrive Fantasy line for him. <laughs> and this is your late round guy. So you're hoping for most guys here that they could take over a portion of the offense or be great from injury to the starter which Evans already does day one, but he brings his own workload day one too. And I just think if you're going this late, I'm taking a PPR guy that, I mean, I think at worst he's already an RB5 this year. And any kind of increased workload that than I expect, there's going to be some weeks where he gets a touchdown or two. I obviously probably wouldn't play him, but to be on the back end of your bench, it's a good idea to me. And all these guys, all three that we picked, if they're not working out, they're very cuttable as well. It's very true. And that's important. I don't think we touched on how important that is. I mean, I wouldn't want to take like a backup quarterback that I would want to hold for a little while at this point in the draft. Like if I'm drafting Gardner Minshew, he's my quarterback one, which is scary. It's nerve wracking, but you know. Yeah, but that's that's the biggest thing that I think is lost in the dart throw late round pick uh, discussion is you want a guy that has upside. He has high upside, but you want to know early. So it's the thing, McKinnon. We'll know if he's the passing back 100%. We'll know if he's getting, if it's a true third split, and you might want to just hold on to him in case he's the hot hand. DeAndre Washington, we'll know week one or two if he's the 1B. Darrington Evans is already the 1B. He's already the handcuff and everything. But we'll see how much that's actually valuable within a week or two. These are three perfect guys that could be just the perfect depth on your team. And honestly, I love all three of them. (laughs) Yeah, same. All right, right. let's take a break. Then we'll get into wide receivers and tight ends. All right, welcome back to the cut. Let's get into our wide receiver and tight end uh, late round guys that we're looking at. Mine, I'm going out on a hunch, man. I don't really have much statistical analysis to back this up because he played in three games last year, but I'm going with Nikhil Harry. So he's the dude is an athletic freak. I mean, he's 6'3, 225. And for starters, the Patriots really don't have another receiver like that. I mean, Julian Edelman, Randy, is he 5'7"? What? I know. <laughs> why, why are you doing that to me? <laughs> like, I was prepared for this. I think he's like 5'11". Okay. But the, the point is, Julian Edelman's a very short receiver that just basically runs out of the slot, catches short routes. 5'10". Now, thank you. They have Mohamed Sanu, I understand, but Mohamed Sanu was terrible when he got traded to 
New England last year. And Nikhil Harry was a first-round pick, if I remember correct, Randy? Yes. Yes, thank you. And this too, I mean, in, in Dynasty Leagues, like Nikhil Harry was going in the first round of rookie drafts, and now he's kind of just been left for dead because of an unsuccessful rookie season. I get it. I do. But as like when Harry was in college, which is basically what we can compare a lot of this stuff to right now. I mean, as a freshman, he led the he led Arizona State in receptions and receiving touchdowns, which put him in the 95th percentile for uh, breakout age um, when they measure it in college. And then he ran a four, five, three, 40 yard dash at the combine which puts him in the 90th percentile for the speed score. And his, his agility was a little bit underwhelming, but he had a 38.5-inch vertical. So, like, you're already – if you put a 38.5-inch vertical on a 6'3 frame, I'm not going to do that math. That's pretty damn good. Um, I'm not going to – again, not going to do the math. But uh, if you look a lot of times at rookie wide receivers, um, they don't usually hit – Terry McLaurin, like guys like Terry McLaurin aside, I mean, even DJ Chark, like DJ Chark was very, was not good his rookie season. Last year, he had the breakout. And I'm not saying I expect the same type of breakout for Nikhil Harry, but I do think that that, those two paths are closer than people expect. I mean, of guys that struggled in their rookie season, I mean, you're talking guys like Alshon Jeffrey, Jordy Nelson, Kenny Britt, Allen Robinson, uh, AJ Brown, well, Brown aside, I guess, um, Cortland Sutton, Kenny Galladay, like though of those guys, there are some metrics that Nikhil Harry was better than him at, and um, a lot like that he was he had a better forty time than a couple of those guys. Um, he had better he had better uh, basically better all around like reception stats, especially when it came to college. And then a lot of people like Brandon Ayuk when it comes to San Francisco this year, especially with no Debo Samuel. But you look when you look at twenty eighteen when Debo Samuel and or not Debo Samuel, I'm getting things confused, but Brandon Ayuk and Nikhil Harry were in the same receiving core in 2018 for Arizona State. Ayuk caught 33 passes for 474 yards and three touchdowns that year. Nikhil Harry had uh, 1,088 yards and nine touchdowns. So he's already kind of done it. He, again, he's done it in the past. And he played seven games as a rookie, um, but he had, he had ankle injuries that kept him out of the entire first half of the season. Only played two snaps against the Chiefs in week 14. Had a hip injury, but he also scored what should have been a touchdown if if the if the Patriots could have reviewed it. Um, and then there's a there's a couple of stats um, when you take the group of players that dominated in their sophomore year after struggling as a rookie. Guys like I don't want to say the first one. Um, it's John Ross, but I don't want to say it. Uh, guys like Mike Williams, Demarius Thomas, Santana Moss, Steve Smith, Vincent Jackson. Uh, Nikhil Harry in his rookie season would have had a higher points per game in year one than any of those guys had. And all of those dudes burst on the scene in year two. So a lot of like a lot of my reasoning, there's again, there's not a bunch of statistical analysis to back this up because you didn't see a lot of Nikhil Harry on the field, but you saw a lot of it in college at Arizona state. There's the Patriots aren't stupid, especially when it comes to first round draft picks. Like there's a reason that they took Nikhil Harry when they did. They expect him to do something. Plus, you pair him with Cam Newton now. I mean, Cam Newton made guys like Travis Benjamin, Devin Funches relevant in Carolina. Same kind of guys, bigger bodied receivers, which is what Nikhil Harry can do. I think his skill set is going to work really well with Julian Edelman. Nikhil Harry can go up and get those passes. And I'm just, again, I'm not 
expecting DJ Chark in his sophomore year, but I think that's a relatively decent path to expect out of Nikhil Harry. And again, you can get him almost with your last pick. So I stopped listening <laughs> when you said Kenny Britt somewhere in there. I just started tuning things out. No, I'm just kidding. I I think <clears throat> DJ Chark's breakout last year was it came out of nowhere. The difference I see is that people are agreeing with you. I think Harry does have a lot of things working in his favor. The reason I'm a little more out on him is because I think Sanu kind of does the same things. And I think Bill knows that he traded. I mean, he traded a second round pick for Mo Sanu. Um, so I think that's where Sanu's going to take a little bit of Harry's work. And also, I don't really like Brandon Ayuk. So I I liked Nikhil coming out. I didn't love him. He w- I, I think it's just the type of receiver that I didn't I didn't really like, and I didn't see him as a first-round pick. Uh, I hope he lives up to it, and I hope you're right, because I do have some shares, but I just I'm, – I'm iffy on this one. Plus, for what it's worth, Tom Brady did come out and say that he expects Nikhil Harry is going to have a great season. Just saying. Oh. Yeah. I mean, and let's be real. Like you said, Cam's done it with – like, in my opinion, Kelvin Benjamin's a less talented receiver. Uh, so is Devin Funches. Devin Funches is too, but he did hyper-target those guys on the outside. They were huge red zone threats. So I do think he's going to have a really good year. He's going to finish above his ADP, that's for sure. So, yes. I mean, yeah. his best case, best case this year is he hits that wide receiver three territory thanks to touchdowns. But yes. we'll see. He's not like... The only problem I have with him is he's not like a high catch percentage type guy, but he doesn't have to be because he he fights for the the hardest balls to catch in the field. I mean, I mean, you just you look at the play that he should have scored on against the Chiefs. Like it was a ridiculous catch. Yeah, exactly. And we all know Cam likes to throw that ball. So yes. <laughs> all right, who's next? Uh, I'll be next because I think I have to start the next one. That's fine because I want to I want to boot Christian. So <laughs> smart. All right. Well, my wide receiver dart throw is going to be Hunter Renfro. I've talked about him on here a lot. I had a couple of different people I was going to talk about, but because of all the hype. Oh, also, Randy, before you go any further, honorable mention to J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who's not being drafted right now. I'm also expecting big things out of him. There's a reason for that. Um, Shut up. (laughs) Well, he's going to outperform his ADP. I can say that. Yes. Yes, he is. Uh, But so I really wanted to dive into Hunter Renfro. Christian, he, he's not getting drafted. His ADP is not available, so he's going to outperform that. <laughs> hey, three fifteen is his ADP. So, oh my god, I hate this in guy. in really deep leagues, he might not outperform that. All right, go on about Hunter. <laughs> so, uh, of of late, there's the only people that Raiders media have been asking about are the two rookies. Well, three rookies really, but the two wide receiver rookies in. Uh, Henry Ruggs and uh, what? Wow, what? <laughs> Brian Edwards. Uh, Edwards, yeah. Sorry, I wanted to say Braylon, and I was like, "Well, that's fucking yes, right. Braylon Edwards." That's I, Come I back. have a second, but Brian Edwards. So while I do think those guys are very talented, and I do think they are going to be huge factors in this offense going forward, Hunter Renfro is going to be the second, well, well, the third best factor in this offense this season. 
behind Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller, obviously. But, like I said, a lot of new weapons, but Renfro is one of the few on here that have already made it's a, a new weapon, Draggy. <laughs> yeah. He already has a connection with Carr and has proven to be one of Carr's favorites. That just won't go away with new flashy rookies in the offense that don't even know the playbook yet and really haven't even had any time to work with Derek Carr. And Carr needs tons of time to work with his receivers, as we've clearly been shown in the past. Now, the question I have, and I asked you guys off the air a couple episodes ago, you're not worried about the fact that they expect to run Henry Ruggs out of the slot? No, because there's... So, that's the thing. Like, the Raiders don't necessarily... They run a whole multitude of, off, like, offenses, so they're going to be 12 personnel a lot. They're they're going to be in the three wide receiver sets. Not necessarily ever four wide receiver sets. But the big thing is... This team has already been proven and shown that they like Renfro, and he's already shown out when given the chance. Last year, he led all rookies in third-down targets with a small role in the offense that I assume he's going to have this year, and he was hurt a few weeks. He had 49 catches on 71 targets for 605 yards, four touchdowns, and just 13 games. So uh, I believe his points per game were just above 10 points per game for a slot receiver that was just trying to develop into the offense. He had eight games above five targets last year, which is very good for a rookie. He had 8.52 yards per target and 12.35 yards per catch, showing he just doesn't run the curl routes or the fade or the flat routes or all the little things that he does well just to get the first down for the team. He does every route. He gets open no matter what. So he's effective all over the field. End of the season on a roll with Carr. He had nine catches over 100 yards, and a touchdown in each of his last two games, scoring 20-plus points a bowl. This year, because he will work out, he will outwork everyone on this team. He is going to take his spot and be the wide receiver that is dependent upon when the time is needed. He is going to get the work. He already proved himself to everyone on this team, and he's going wide receiver 65 on 13 games on a limited roll. He finished last year's wide receiver 54. There's no way he doesn't finish in the 40s. I think he has a shot to be a wide receiver three this year. The only question mark will be touchdowns because obviously he's a slot, so he's not going to be the the biggest guy to target, especially with Edwards and Waller in the offense and Josh Jacobs being fed the ball down in the goal line. So I do have some reservations because he is a slot guy, but he is going to well outperform his ADP. You're going to love that you have on his team. If you really want, <laughs> you can also wait the next round and pair up Brian Edwards. So you make sure you get the, the, the best receiver in this offense for a week-to-week basis because Henry Ruggs is probably the most talented receiver in this group. I, well, he is the most talented receiver in the group, I'll say that. But he is more of a volatile-type receiver. Yeah, hundred percent. Me, 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 me. Go ahead, Chris. Get the fuck out of here. Um, my guy's John Ross. Boo, boo, boo. <laughs> All right. Oh. Are you done? Yes. <laughs> This guy's a big fat phony. That's all I could think of right there. All right. Um, All right. John Ross. In week one last year, he was the wide receiver three. 
I'll lead off with that. After two weeks, he was the wide receiver two. Who was the wide receiver one? Sammy Watkins. I get it. I get it. But, okay. John Ross, he averaged 12 fantasy points per game in 2019. It was only in eight games, and we know Randy hates the eight-game sample. And a ton of that production came from those first two games. I don't give a fuck. Um, That's what you get with boom or bust receivers. And so... John Ross disappeared for a stretch. Auden Tate was targeted more. Um, but that's, like I said, that's what you get with boomer bust players. And then John Ross went down with an injury and he never really returned to that form from the first two weeks. In 2020, he gets a better quarterback who can actually throw downfield. And I know I'm a big Andy Dalton guy. We know that wasn't his strength. Uh, he was not good at throwing downfield and so joe burrow what's that or throwing upfield or Um, throwing sideways anything really fair enough joe burrow's better at all of those things and so you're just making my case stronger mr boo man um oh good one (laughs) so so the bengals too so they're one of the offenses that people have pegged as the next innovative 49ers style Rams style offense because of what Zach Taylor was able to do last year. And I think that they're legitimately going to go four wide. I think you're going to see if AJ green stays healthy, you're going to see Boyd Ross green and T Higgins on the field at one time, quite a bit this year. And you have to assume that John Ross is getting much, much less attention the over-the-top help isn't going to be there because they're going to be worried about A.J. Green and T. Higgins. And so I think it's going to open it up for John Ross. And, yeah, he's the wide receiver four on his own team. With a guy as as boom or bust, I get You're going to be disappointed with Ross. It's like having Will Fuller on your team, not starting him for except, four weeks. Will Fuller is better. Uh, debatable? Pretty close. But I don't know about that. It's pretty close. Um, and so John Ross, I'll take the guy who can potentially win you weeks or be a flex play at the very least with my last pick 100 times out of 100. I wrote down 20 times out of 20, but I'm confident enough to say I'll take John Ross 100 times out of 100. And you know what? He's like we talked about before the ad break. He's a guy that you're going to know very very early what is going to happen and so you can cut it and you're going to be severely disappointed no you're not no you're not you're going to be very happy because week one john ross is coming out with 27 fantasy points bro i can't wait i can't wait until the week two show when john ross comes out and just obliterates whoever they play week one i don't even know probably the steelers actually so one thing i want to say is he is the wide receiver for his team, like you said. Get him, Randy. He's already being he's already being repped out by T. Higgins, the starting unit. I I understand what you're saying. I will say you your guy sticks more to the if it doesn't work out, week one or two we can cut him mold than ours do. Because me and Sean here have basically wide receiver twos on the team that we probably won't cut after one or two weeks. Indeed, yeah. and but, so, yeah, I, but see, that's the thing. Like John Ross might have a couple good weeks. I don't think he's finishing. 
I think Nikhil Harry and Renfro have shot to be wide receiver threes. I don't think John Ross does only like if it was last year and you had this argument, like if the, the wide receiver core was the same as last year and you had this argument, I'd be with you. But it's just because they have so many better people in the offense right now. Right. And I do like part of my argument is defenses are going to shade towards AJ Green. I would assume and- as well. And T Higgins is very, very good. It's just, I don't know. I'm just worried about the snap percentages. It's literally the only worry I have for John Ross because we've already, he has a shot any week to get the 80 yard touchdown and be worth it. I don't know if you're going to play him that week. That's that's the tough part. I I would probably sacrifice if I, if I have confidence that I'm going to just stomp my opponent week one, I'd put him in my lineup and get the one week of production out of them. Like, honestly, I could see that being a scenario too, where you hold John Ross too long because he does explode. The other part I do want to mention, I didn't even talk about Auden Tate. And so John Ross, AJ Green and T Higgins all have a similar play style, even though they're not the same like prototype in terms of AJ Green is mostly used as a a deep target guy. He's very, very, very good in the deep game. And so T Higgins has been molded into what they, they want him to be the next AJ green. So he's going to be used in the similar way at least. And John Ross literally just has to fucking run straight. You're not like, I mean, I guess in, if the offense is as innovative as people think, then maybe you do get some gadget touches out of John Ross for the first time in his career. Because he's fast as fuck, man. Like, I mean, he's one of the fastest players in the NFL, and you would think that they'd be able to scheme touches to him, but I get it. I I get that John Ross could very well bust. I'm not, like, going to bet a ton of money on on John Ross this year. No, and I don't blame you. I mean, you're sticking with your guns, too, so I really don't blame you. And like I said, yours fits the mold of what we were kind of aiming for better than ours. But again, we... I think ours are a lot better, so that's why we kind of picked the. You know, what? Wait, I mean, a lot better than. Well, so we think they're he's they're better than John Ross, obviously, but we think they're a lot better than their ADP. Was what I was going for. Right. Yeah. Well, moving into tight ends, it is again my turn to start. Unfortunately, uh, and this guy was thankfully picked out for me. I'm going with Jack Doyle. You're welcome. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Uh, well, Christian had to pick his, which is so ironic because he really, really should have picked Johnny Smith still. But I understand yeah. why he didn't. <laughs> because guess who Johnny Smith's going behind? Jack Doyle. Uh, and that is my guy. Uh, it's absurd. It's not that absurd, but it's, I understand what you mean. It's absurd. I, I'll i say it's absurd for where they're both going. I'm saying it's not that absurd that he's behind Jack Doyle. I think he finishes ahead of Jack Doyle. I'm just saying. Yeah, I agree. So, start off, as Christian has spewed on here for a couple of weeks now, Rivers loves to throw to his biggest guys, and that is Jack Doyle. <laughs> He's going to be the, the big target hog on his team. Only real tight end of value for the Colts, and Rivers has historically hyper-targeted the tight end position. Obviously, he had an all-time grade in Antonio Gates. Hyper targets. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> uh, Virgil Green was a thing for a year. 
Hunter Henry. Uh, we'll Antonio see. Antonio Gates came out of retirement. Was yes. Yeah. We'll see if Hunter Henry is as good as we think he is, or if he was just a product of all those targets from Rivers. So I think Jack Doyle will be the beneficiary of those targets this year. He was tight end 15 last year. He's going as tight end 18 right now, so you're already getting him at a value. And last year, he was splitting his targets. This year, he'll be splitting some playing time, but it's going to be pretty much 90% snap share for Jack Doyle. I'd say maybe even 100, to be honest. Oh, Trey Burton. I mean, Trey Burton may be on the field, but it may be with Jack Doyle. I'm not sure Doyle is coming off. And he is more of a reception guy as opposed to that red zone target guy, as we saw with Ebron. That's why Doyle was still relevant, because he kept getting all the receptions down the field, and then Ebron would get 17 touchdowns a week, it felt like. <laughs> so, last year, 72 targets. Were, I would assume this year we're looking closer to his 2017 nar- target number of 108 targets, back when he had Andrew Luck, obviously. And he had 80 catches that year and four touchdowns. That was good for tight end seven. I don't think he's getting that high in targets and receptions, but we're getting closer to the 108 than we are the 72. I think it'll be in the high 90s. And that's going to give him a lot of, I don't know about the touchdown number necessarily, but it's going to give him a lot of receptions, a good amount of yards. I think he, I'm not going to say he's a lock to be a top 10 tight end this year, but it's a better chance for him to be a top 10 than he is going to be tight end 18. So you could completely punt the position and still almost, almost assuredly get a tight end one. And that's something I'm looking forward to. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't have anything wrong to say about Jack Doyle. I've, I don't have anything wrong to say about Jack Doyle. I do have a question. If Jack Doyle goes down, would you pick up Trey Burton? No. I, I, honest, say, I, want, I no. want to say no. I would not. But I would probably have to just because at that point it would be – it would be like how it always is when someone goes down. We see that, like, a person that's getting hyper targeted like that. We're like, okay, well, that's he throws the position, so it's going to be the next guy. That's always the waiver wire claims. I would probably put it a claim. I don't know if I'd start him. I it'd be close because I, I at that point I'd probably look for a different option, maybe one of your guys' options here. Uh, I like I said, it's tight end too, so you're most likely going to be able to pick up somebody if something like that happens. I just don't like Trey Burton. I mean... What did he do to you, dude? I just don't think he's that good. He's beloved in Philadelphia for a good reason. Uh, Dallas Goddard's much better than him. That's why he's gone. And, (laughs) I mean, that's just plain and simple. Yes. All right, I'll go next. All right, so... why, Why? Just because, dude. It's payback, clearly. You don't even you don't even disagree with this guy. Not even remotely. I think he's yeah. gonna be really All good. Right. So Randy, you talked about Noah Fan on your A one tight end episode. Yeah. You know who... <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because of you two dumbasses. <laughs> All right. So you know who had a better PFF score? Who who was in that same class as him? I don't care about that, but I'm assuming Irv Smith. It was Irv Smith. (laughs) Irv Smith had a 65 PFF grade, 
who was the highest graded tight end among the whole 2019 tight end draft class, who saw at least 40 targets. He also had the sixth best catch rate at 78.3% among all qualifying tight ends. Um, he also, there's only been five rookie tight ends in the history of the NFL that have compiled at least 30 receptions and 300 receiving yards in their first season. Jason Witten, Robert Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez, Tony Gonzalez, <laughs> and David, and, <laughs> and, and, and David Njoku. So that's some pretty good company to be in. Oh, by the way, Herb Smith was fucking 21 years old last year. And yeah. like Kyle Rudolph had only 56 more yards and three more receptions than Irv Smith. I mean, the difference was Smith had six or Rudolph had six touchdowns to Irv Smith's two, but Kyle Rudolph still finished as tight end 15 last year or 14. I'm sorry, 14 in PPR leagues because he had the six touchdowns. I fully expect Irv Smith to lead those targets, not only in touchdowns, but receptions and yards. Again, he's a very young uh, tight end, but someone has to make up for Stefan Diggs being gone. And you guys were talking about how you don't know if it's going to be Justin Jackson right away. Irv Smith has already been in this offense. The dude's 6'2", 240. He's a big dude. He can go up and catch passes in the red zone. Like He's basically going free right now, and I definitely think he could finish top 12. I I want to agree with that. Uh, my let, the only reserve for me is Rudolph because he's obviously still there. He signed a pretty decent sized contract last year, um, and he is kind of the touchdown hog. It's the it's been the only thing of value for Rudolph for years now is touchdowns. So, well, I assume Smith gets more touchdowns. He should get more work. He should become the tight end one this year. I think he outperformed Rudolph last year. So I'm with you on all aspects that that's that I want to say he's going to be close to top 12. I just don't, I can't guarantee that because of the two tight end system kind of thing. I, but I, some, but like you said, somebody, Justin Jefferson is not a one-on-one for digs. So somebody has to help guide that up to that level of talent in the offense. And Irv Smith already showed it. Yeah, he did. He had some, he had some great games in my opinion. I, I watched more Vikings games than I thought I would last year, and that he was always something I was trying to key in on. Plus, the dude, year, really. the dude just turned 22 in August. That's nuts. Exactly. Yeah. He was barely old enough to drink, and he was out there putting up PFF numbers better than any other tight end in that draft play. Yeah, he he was good. I I do worry about the touchdown increase. I think he would get some of Diggs's, though. Is what four Diggs had four touchdowns? I think. I believe yeah. Well, that's like I'm not like I said. I it I'm not gonna uh, dig against the touchdowns because Jack Doyle. I don't think he's getting eight touchdowns. I think it's gonna be like five or six. Like I think he had four last year. I think he's gonna have five or six this year. He had six. He actually had six last year. Didn't he? No, he, didn't. he had six. He had six. Oh, no, he had four. He had four in the 2017. Sorry. Yeah. Where he was tied at seven. So I think he's gonna have five or six again this year. Yeah, just that's well. That's what I'm saying is that Irv, like he had six touchdowns to Irv Smith too, but Smith still paced him in receptions, paced him in yards. Yeah, even if that comes to four to four for like right. tight ends get eight again magically. That's four to four for both tight ends. 
that should spell Irv Smith finishing well above Rudolph. Exactly. It should be at worst he's gonna be in the mix for the back end tight end one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I'm glad I get to to finish out here. Speaking of at worst, uh Christian. <laughs> All right. Uh, I get it. Christian I do want to give a shout to Johnny Smith. I didn't even consider him. Um I also want to give a shout to Austin Hooper. I've been doing some uh ten team mocks recently and Austin Hooper's there in the second to last round, which is absurd. Absolutely absurd. Uh follow the money people. Um except for it, for the Denver first round. Gotcha. <laughs> no, except for the Denver backfield. Don't follow the money. Follow Philip Lindsay. Follow uh, <laughs> for the God, follow the money. Don't listen to Christian. That's fine. <laughs> Tell people that. It's probably smart. Uh, so my guy's Chris Herndon because I didn't consider John. It's probably smart to tell people don't listen to me. All right, so my guy. (laughs) (laughs) You can listen to me on Chris Herndon, because who else is going to catch passes there? That's that's my my first point of discussion. Who else is going to catch passes? Jameson Jameson Crowder, Denzel Mims. That's it. Denzel Mims, Rashad Perriman, Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, sure. Those are those are absolutely everyone in the offense. (laughs) Sure, but. Chris Herndon has shown already that he's one of Sam's favorite targets. I think Crowder has a case there too. Uh, I think Lev probably has a case, but I mean, ultimately this is a team that's going to be playing from behind. I would say at least 60 to 70% of all snaps that they play, they're going to be dog shit on defense. They're just going to be an atrocious team. I think they've gotten worse somehow. Their line got marginally better. Which is good. That's good for Herndon. I think their offense has gotten better, but their defense has gotten worse. Right. And I agree with that. But I think if they're going to stay in games, Chris Herndon is going to be a top 15 tight end. And I'd say, look at the history, man. I mean, he, in 2018, his rookie year, not you, I'm not yelling at you. I'm probably yelling at Sean for some reason, but... uh, Chris Herndon was tight end 16 his hey, rookie year. You, okay. Um, <laughs> so Chris Herndon actually posted one of the best rookie tight end seasons that we can recall. I mean, obviously, you had, what, Kittle that same year, 2018? Or was he 17? His breakout was 28. Yeah, so basically Chris Herndon – significantly outperformed his ADP that year. He's going to do the same thing this year. Last year was a shit show. He was hurt. He was suspended. He was hurt again. Uh, Things did not go well for him, but I can tell you one thing. Ryan Griffin is not going to take snaps away from Chris Herndon. Watch the tape. Watch how athletic Chris Herndon is. Watch the crazy catches that he made when he was on the field in 2018. He's going to be a weekly starter. You can get him for free. And that's, that's kind of my my mindset with all of these picks is John Ross you can get for free. Jarek McKinnon you can get for free. Gardner Minshew, I mean, you could potentially get him for free. Chris Herndon you can get for free, and I think he has the highest ceiling in terms of where he could finish at his position. Sign me up. And that's why I'm a little lower on Bell than Sean, too, because – they work the same area of the field, and last year there was no Chris Herndon, you know? Yeah. Do you 
know what he is going right now in tight ends? Undrafted. I don't so know in terms had, of tight ends. You're the worst. I got you. He's going tight end 25, which is ironic because I believe that's where he ended in our ranking. Yeah, sounds right. And I yelled at Sean for the disrespect. But uh, um, besides, so I think like he's guaranteed to finish above Greg Olson and Jimmy Graham and probably Sternberger. But like besides that, I don't think he's like guaranteed to finish above anyone else. But he he can, like you said, tight end sixteen is tricky year. He hasn't truly gotten to play since then, so we're hoping he plays the whole year. I also you say that Griffin's not really going to be on the field. I think they're going to run more twelve personnel than we assume because they did work on their line, but it's still not that great. And you did draft the most project of a rookie tackle. He could be the best but he is the most project of the group. So getting two tight ends in the field can just help supplant that learning curve. And I, I, I think that's a good idea. Herndon should be on the field a lot. I do like him this year, especially at his cost. I know we considered in the listener league picking him instead of a defense. Uh, and we can still pick him up, obviously. I don't think we need to, but we can. Not if we get him first. He got picked <laughs> up already. Was it the duplicate player or was it him? It was yeah, Axel. He is, he is duplicate. Sleeper, though. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. Yeah. Isn't it Juju's picture, though? No, it's him. It's him. Is it? Whoever commented, like, why is that Juju is dumb. Oh, okay. I did love, uh, shout out Polly Sleepers. I loved his tweets, like, oh shit, I spoke it too much into existence. <laughs> I, yeah. I love I think, for the record, I think that is now gone. I think they fixed that. I would I hope would, so. I, Right, sleeper was fucked for a couple days. Yeah, um, but yeah, Chris Chris Herndon, free. That's that's all you need to know. Free. Yeah. Also, Randy, if they go twelve personnel, what the fuck happens to Jamison Crowder? Oof. I think I think Crowder would be on the field. You think he'd be in lining up I, outside with Mims, Perriman? No, I think he'd be Crowder start. They did talk about how they're looking to also add another veteran receiver. Well, Doxon uh, opted out, so could be why. <laughs> Remember when that dude was supposed to be the darling of that 2016 receiver class? Yeah, that's Jalen Rager this year. Ooh, Oof, wow. Dude. Yeah. Oof. Whoa. I'm going to cut that out because I don't want that <laughs> on record. But <laughs> You know what's hilarious? This is the same. Like, you literally got called the smartest man on Twitter this week, which I also think is a lie. Yeah, uh, me too. I think it's a lie. Podcast. Uh, what was that? Was the fantasy? It was fantasy impact today sports to give the shout yes. out. Yeah, uh, but that's. <laughs> and then you, I want to ask that dude if he's ever listened to Christian talk before. No, he just Christian's he, Twitter takes are usually better than his his talking points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I go rogue. Yeah, I go rogue. He always has great threads on Twitter, but he'll just like randomly text in the group something stupid or talk, say something stupid. But it's okay. Yeah, everything he says, stupid. like that Jalen Rager is Josh Jackson. That's that's blasphemous. That, that's a right. take. We're done with this episode. No, we're All not. Right. We're close. So, next- so let's talk about red zone draft boards because they're freaking awesome. If you're having a live draft this fall. There's only one place to go, and it is 
draftwithredzone.com. Their draft pack is the most complete pack that I've ever come across. I don't know about you two, uh, but you get the board, the player stickers, the championship ring, the ring holding case, the last place sign, and the cheat sheet. And that's not even mentioning you get the pick stickers, you get wall putty to just toss your board right on a fucking wall. You get a pre- prediction. Thank you for describing what wall putty is, Christian. Well, some people like to just p- put it on a stand, and they're like, no, fuck that. We're going to give you putty because we're badass. And so they also give you like a prediction sheet where you can basically, it's like a little sheet where you can fill out who you think is going to be the loser, who's going to win. You can fill it out after your draft, after you can look at the whole draft board. It's it's a great deal. It's all for $99, but if you use the discount code the cut, you can get it for $89 because you get $10 off and $5 of that goes to charity. So, you really can't beat that. It's an awesome deal. Sean ordered one. Yeah, it, I still haven't gotten it yet. Well, well you- that's because you just ordered it, dipshit, and you're not going to have it in time for your draft. No, I'll have it in time for my other draft that I need it for. Yeah, exactly. So, so we will have a first round review, a first hand review of this red zone draft. I didn't order, I didn't go all out. I didn't, I didn't go all out for that whole, um, for the $99 one. I bought the the board and the putty and the stickers and stuff. So I will, uh, I'll give you guys a first hand Sean Ward positive or negative review for the draft board when I get it next week. Sounds good. It will be positive. Can guarantee it. Because it's awesome. We wouldn't have them as a partner affiliate if we didn't believe. Absolutely. That's all I have on Red Zone Draft Boards. Go go to their site, draftwithredzone.com, and use discount code THECUT. And on that note, I'm not going any further. So, for Christian Williams, Randy Hall, I'm Sean Williams. We'll talk to you guys soon. We gone.